Welcome to the FPS podcast series. This is podcast number 39, GSA Polaris Contract. My name is Todd Hatherly. I'm the Director of Programming for Federal Publication Seminars, and we're a leader in federal government contract training and professional development for past 60 years. And every year, Federal Publication Seminars trains thousands of businesses, federal agencies, and individuals on the legal, regulatory, compliance, and accounting nuances found in the federal regulations through nationwide classroom, online, and in-house sessions. These podcasts are just a small sampling of important content you as a contracting professional can expect from attending an FPS program. Whether it's in person or online, live or on demand, you cannot find another source of breadth and depth of experience, knowledge, and content anywhere. So please visit us at fedpubseminars.com for more information. Joining me today is Jason Miller. Jason's the executive editor of Federal News Network, and we're going to talk a little bit about the GSA Polaris contract because there's a lot of things going on there uh, and some recent development. So, Jason, I read an article you had. I also listened to a podcast you had on this. So give us a little rundown of what's going on with Polaris at this time. Polaris has been one of those contracts that everyone has been following in the small business community for the better part of a year and a half, maybe two years now. A lot of businesses are saying, got to get on this. This is one of those must-have government-wide acquisition vehicles known as a GWAC and government parlay. As agencies, as GSA was getting this out, they, they did a, a fairly nice job of communicating with the vendor community, the small business community. We're going to split it up this way. Here's how we're going to do evaluation factors. Here's how we're going to do this and this and that. And, and they've got feedback. And, and I think everyone, again, in the small business community that I've talked to said, hey, this is going to be the big one. We're going to get on it. And then about a week before the first set of solicitations came out, and, and to be clear, GSA is rolling out solicitations by pools. So the, the women-owned small business pool and the small business pool came out first. There'll be 8A pools, service-disabled veteran-owned small business pools. There will be uh, small disadvantaged business pools, hub zone pools all coming out in the later weeks and, and months over the, over the course of this year. But the first two pools that came out, uh, about two weeks ago, and, and the week before that, GSA released a, an updated Q&A for Polaris and made a major change to the joint venture mentor-protege approach they're using. And that, from what I've been told from a lot of different sources, threw such a big uh, ratchet into the process that really had people who have been planning this for a year and a half or more said, maybe I'm not going to bid on this after all. And I've just wasted, and one guy told me, you know, $80,000 on, on bid and proposal efforts and now I'm not even sure I can win this. And, and Todd, I know you're probably going to ask me, well, what was that change? So let me get in front of your question, because that's what reporters do, right? <laughs> we, yes. we, we anticipate. And the change they made was they said for mentor-protege joint ventures, the past performance examples and the relevant experience examples don't have to come from the small business or the large business. They can come from whomever. So think about it this way. I'm small business X, I'm partnering with large business Y, they're my mentor. All of a sudden, large business Y can send all five past performance examples, all five relevant experience examples, and because GSA is using a self-scoring checklist, I now, now my team can get 5,000 points, 20,000 points, whatever the point total is, and if I'm a small business that's not in a mentor-protege joint venture, there's no way I can compete with large business X who has, you know, pick it, a billion dollar contract or has 550, $250 million contracts plus worldwide experience. They unleveled the playing field. And I think that's the heart of the matter here is last minute change, unleveled the playing field. And, and there's a lot of small businesses upset. Yeah, that doesn't sound like the intention of GSA though, was it? 
It's hard to say what their intention was. I, I think from what I talked to when I talked to uh, small business lawyers and, and other small business uh, experts, and they said they think two, one of two things happened. They think the lawyers of GSA, no offense to our friends in the law community, got involved right. and saw what happened with the CIO SP4 procurement at NITAC. And that was another controversial one that had some questionable decisions around joint ventures and mentor protégés. And they swung the pendulum to the opposite side. They said, we don't, this is the theory, we don't want to yep. have what happened to NITAC happen to us. We'll, we'll swing the pendulum to the other side and say, we won't require any sort of combination of small and large business past performance relevant experience. We'll just say, you can do whatever you want. And that way we won't get protested and we won't face that same experience. The, the other thing that folks say, and, and this is what I've been told, is an SBA's drive to deal with category management to deal with strategic sourcing and the mistakes, and I'll call them mistakes, that the GSA and OFPP and others have made over the last 10 or 12 years re have really hurt small businesses. And I think what they've said was, we're going to make it easier for small businesses to compete on these large multiple award contracts that, that end up with task orders of 10 and 20 and 30 and 50 million and more. We're going, to let, mm -hmm. we're going to really open the door for mentor-protege. And by opening the door to make it, quote unquote, easier to form these mentor-protege joint ventures, they've made it so a lot of, of the small businesses are going that direction. And really, again, I'll say unleveled the playing field where I'm a small business, but I'm not in a mentor-protege for whatever reason. And now I really just can't compete with a small business that's in a mentor-protege. So I think there's the, the two factors here is GSA and SBA. Yeah. Wow. It sounds like there's, there's a little bit of unweaving to do here, I think. Do you think uh, the GSA is going to uh, react to this at all, or are we going to just go forward and continue to, to release these pools as is? We know already that there's a bid protest already filed with GAO by a company called BD Squared. Mm -hmm. BD Squared is a consultancy that works with small businesses. Uh, they filed the protest uh, uh, shortly after the release of those uh, small business pools. And, and they're basically saying in their protest, we believe two things are happening. Uh, number one, GSA is violating small business SBA regulations and, and requires corrective action because they're not ensuring a fair competition. Basically, what they're saying is that the small business set-aside contract will ultimately devolve into a comparison of qualifications from large business mentor firms and will hurt small businesses. The question will be, I think GSA, I think will argue, does BD Squared even have standing? They're not even bidding on, as far as I know, and maybe they will, but but it seems like they're not even bidding on this contract and, and they're a consultancy. So will they even have standing? Will GAO listen to GSA and throw this out? But I think what BD Squared may be doing as well is delaying, and I'll use that in, in, in quotes here. Right. Uh, so other small businesses then can get with their lawyers and file protests who do have standing. And I think GSA is going to be in a tough spot because if they don't take corrective action, you know a lot of these small businesses are going to get Congress involved. Congress will start asking questions and that will bring a whole world of, of, of challenges in front of GSA. If they make corrective action, what will that corrective action look like? Can they require some combination of large and small? The, the, the protege must provide two and the mentor can provide up to three or some other kind of combination. And I think in the end, that should be the answer, according to the lawyers and other experts I've talked to, because that, that kind of levels the playing field back. Well, it's uh, first part of April now. So uh, we got five months of uh, this fiscal year. I, I And if they want to try to launch it all in this year, I think uh, it might be a bit of a challenge. It's good to watch this, see what's going to happen the next couple of months, correct? 
Absolutely. I think I think the first thing you'll watch is uh, the other RFPs that come out for 8A, small disadvantaged business, veteran-owned small business and the like. And then I think you got to watch what GAO does. And if they dismiss this protest because BD score doesn't have standing, if other people file protests with GAO uh, on, on the heels of this new first protest, and you know how does GSA react? I think there's a lot going on. It, it's potentially going to be tough for GSA to make these awards this year. Uh, I think more likely this calendar year versus this fiscal year. Uh, so maybe something in, in the late fall, early winter timeframe. Uh, but remember, Todd, that I think the important thing to remember on all of this is GSA had problems with Alliance 2 small business. We know they made awards. It got protested. They made awards. It got protested. Finally, they gave up. They were trying to do everything not to face that similar fate with Polaris. And it looks like just in the initial, you know, ideas here, they may have stepped right back into it and they may be facing that similar protest, corrective action, protest, corrective action, uh, awfulness that comes a lot of times with with big contracts like this. Excellent. Jason, I appreciate your time today and uh, explaining this uh, whole Polaris and what's going on. And, And we'll be tracking and following this. Uh, so at uh, Federal News Network, you, you seem to track this pretty closely. Where do our listeners want to uh, get a hold of you or get more information? Where would they go? Sure, I appreciate that. So obviously you can find all our coverage, all our news, all our information. We have a tons of, of white papers and webinars and surveys and everything we do right. on federalnewsnetwork.com, of course. And uh, I'm my email is everywhere. You can find me on LinkedIn, on Twitter. You can also find me, uh, my email is pasted on every story I write. So uh, you know, feel free to reach out. I'm always happy to, to catch up with new small businesses and, and learn about them. And if they're part of this Polaris uh, challenge, uh, uh, I'm happy to listen. And, and, and you know, stories, I'm sure, will be coming down the pike. So I appreciate your help. and appreciate you inviting me on the podcast. Well, thank you, Jason. And uh, as always, if you have topics you want us to cover in a podcast, please send me a note at Todd at FedPubSeminars.com. Until next time, stay safe, keep your distance, and read the bar.